I'm Duncan McLeod, and this is TCS Plus brought to you by Tech Central. You can subscribe online at youtube.com slash techcentral or get our daily newsletter at techcentral.co.za slash newsletter. Now, Mark Nasila, am I pronouncing that correctly, Mark? Yes, correctly. Mark Nasila, um, Dr. and Professor Mark Nasila, I believe. Um, is Chief Data and Analytics Officer at FMB Risk, the Risk Division of FMB, and Mark is an expert on all things artificial intelligence. It's a bit of a passion of yours, Mark. It's really great to see you. Thanks for making the time. Thanks for coming into the studio. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Duncan. Pleasure. Now, um, Mark, you've got a, a PhD in math- mathematical statistics, is that right? Yes. What does that entail exactly? Uh, it entails uh, understanding uh, uh, the theory of statistics and um, applying them in real-world problems. Mm-hmm. I did my PhD in uh, Nelson Mandela University. Okay. It was around um, uh, understanding how statistical models can help predict our events. But I, first, I focused on up applying them to financial crimes, actually, in the banking space. Financial crime? Yes. Okay, that must have been fascinating. Yeah, it was amazing. You know, yeah. um, financial crimes are so complex. Yeah. But, uh, but they, they have uh, other complexities from the fact that operationally they cost organizations a lot of resources to manage. And uh, through these algorithms, we came up uh, with ways which we can create efficiencies, allow organizations to focus on where the crime is, Mm -hmm. other than use a blanket approach. Uh, This was way, way back in 2013, 2014. Okay. Okay. Fascinating. What what is your background? What did you initially set out to study and what what were your career aspirations when you were a youngster and how did you end up in your current role? I actually wanted to uh, pursue a career in computer science. Okay. And um, but I was very passionate about numbers, and the impact numbers could have in real life. Mm-hmm. And uh, I decided to uh, uh, pursue a career in uh, mathematical statistics. Did the honors mm-hmm. um, uh, in uh, mathematical statistics at Nelson Mandela, then a master's. Then when I joined the bank in 2010, mm-hmm. uh, big data and analytics was something that was getting hype and uh, you could see it was going to be an area that will reimagine a lot of organizations. I decided to uh, pursue a PhD in uh, uh, mathematical statistics and that everything else is history. Right, right. Yes. Okay. Yes. So tell me about your day job at FMB. You are, uh, what is your title again? Chief Data and yeah, Analytics Officer of FMB Risk. What does your day-to-day work entail exactly? So I'm responsible for making sure FNB leveraging leverages data, mm-hmm. analytics, and capabilities such as AI to making sure we're managing uh, risks effectively, mm-hmm. efficiently, and proactively. Uh, in a bigger scope, I'm, make, I'm, I'm responsible for making sure that we have a plan in place for data to play a role in informing our risk strategy. Right. Uh, on a day-to-day basis, I have to engage in our stakeholder, with our stakeholders to understand their needs because um, the strategy I run underpins their objectives, mm-hmm. understand their short-term needs, their long-term needs. But I also have to understand uh, what is success to them, uh, the role data has to play. I have to engage with them continuously to manage the expectations mm-hmm. on what data can do, what data cannot do, its limitations, as well as have long-term um, um, uh, 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 
plans on how data will keep on transforming the risk function. Mm -hmm. uh, in addition to that, I spend a lot of time managing a team of about 70 data scientists, professionals in the IT space as well, uh, data architects who uh, form part of this value chain. It's a big workshop mm -hmm. uh, uh, which requires us to leverage a variety of skills. Uh, and last but not least, uh, spearheading the AI uh, work in the bank, uh, running the AI literacy program and helping the organization understand AI, understand its limitations so that we can identify the right opportunities to keep modernizing our platforms. Okay. So when, when did your interest in artificial intelligence first begin? Why did you become interested in the topic? I attended a session at Singularity University. Mm -hmm. And at that time, uh, we had started actually implementing some of the machine learning algorithms. Uh, and inside F&B. Inside F&B. Um, and through Singularity, uh, uh, friends of mine, uh, Mick Mann and, May and Shane Mann, who co-own the Singularity South Africa uh, uh, division. Okay. Uh, in, uh, invited me uh, based on my on the interest in the topic to to attend one of the forums, and I ended up uh, attending the executive program at Singularity, uh, and this actually accelerated us to start adopting AI in the risk space because of its possibilities. Uh, I ended up going to San Francisco uh, uh, through uh, the Singularity program, spent yeah. uh, a lot of time visiting companies. In fact, you completed the executive program at Singularity University, didn't you? Yes, I mm -hmm. did. Yes, okay. yes. And uh, I, I learned a lot, got a lot of exposure interacting with the likes of uh, uh, Peter Diamantis, oh, yes. um, uh, Ray Carswell at the Singularity Ray Summit. Ray Carswell, yes. Sir. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. And uh, we... We, we, we went to um, uh, the Singularity Innovation Lab, uh, visited companies like Clara Foods, who are engineering uh, plant-based foods, uh, Tesla. Nice. And uh, it was more about learning how to think differently, mm. how to think mm. in this disruptive world, and how to position emerging technologies such as AI as a strategic mm. enabler to help a business realize its objectives. Let's, uh, okay, let's get this conversation going on, on AI. There's a lot of ground to cover, and um, I think it would be useful, given that this is still a fairly nascent area, to get back to brass tacks and, and, and maybe start our discussion with a definition of what AI is, because I think there's a lot of confusion out there. I have seen reports suggesting that what we're seeing at the moment through generative AI applications like ChatGPT, for example, isn't really true AI. Maybe a view from you on that, but let's start with brass tacks. What is AI, how do you determine this fairly uh, vague term? So AI is uh, an area in computer science that deals with enabling machines, processes, or systems simulate human intelligence. Mm -hmm. This could be generating language, translating language, identifying objects, um, making decisions. Um, and basically that's AI. But I think when we talk about AI, we cannot forget about machine learning mm -hmm. and uh, uh, deep learning. Machine What's the difference between AI and ML? Uh, machine learning uh, focuses more about uh, enabling machines to learn from data and make decisions with less supervision. Mm -hmm. Okay. But where AI comes in is where there is much more simulation of tasks that will require 
uh, brain capacity or mm. uh, or human intelligence reasoning and, and and allowing technologies to automate these functions without uh, um, uh, human intervention mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. so um humans were it sounds like humans are quite key to this this whole thing which perhaps is a little ironic given that uh, this is artificial intelligence and we're meant to be programming these systems to think on their own um are humans always going to be involved or is there come a point where these artificial intelligences are able to advance themselves the, the, the world is changing at a very fast rate so volatile things are changing and uh we're seeing uh this emerging technologies have mm-hmm. meant that there is what we call the digital expectation today's organizations cannot survive the way they used to before um uh, they need to leverage the same technologies to keep up with uh customer experience but more than ever organizations need us as humans to focus on human things to keep up with emerging issues uh to be more compassionate around the services and products we offer mm-hmm. and therefore humans will always be in the loop to drive discovery and the future and to even continue maturing these machines mm-hmm. yes and to keep them in check if necessary exactly exactly <laughs> yeah, because uh, technology needs supervision mm-hmm. it needs direction it needs guidance uh, so that it can keep on being relevant and appropriate mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. now the elevator pitch uh, you believe that all organizations in south africa and worldwide for that matter should be taking ai very seriously that they should have a strategy around around ai in a few words why should the ceo of a pharmaceutical company or a bank care about ai what does it mean for their business so ai is reimagining every industry uh, when you look at projections uh from McKinsey PwC uh, we expect by 2030 uh 16 trillion worth of value to be created from AI 16 trillion dollars 16 trillion dollars worth of value this will come from the ability of organizations to leverage AI to create efficiencies to drive effectiveness uh to enable their employees become uh, more productive uh to drive innovations that we couldn't do before mm-hmm. to keep up with challenges that we're seeing we're seeing but this is not going to happen easily in fact uh, uh the what we're seeing in the market organizations are failing more as more of them keep on investing uh forbes just published that only 14.6% of organizations have evidence that they have an ai in production at least one ai in production okay this is alarming and a major reason for that is a lack of a strategy a, a strategy that outlines a vision of how an organization is going to leverage ai to realize its objectives ai strategies are not easy because they come with a lot of complexities mm-hmm. um uh they they leverage data they leverage uh, uh human resources technologies as well as identifying the right opportunities including bringing people along so that you can transform the whole organization. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Interesting times, but it's, it is quite early days. And as I said, this is fairly nascent technology still. Um, do you, I mean, how seriously should companies be taking AI today? Um, you're in the financial services space. Uh, I imagine that there is a more pressing need perhaps to look at these technologies than perhaps in some other industries. Uh, what's what's your view? Um, you know, if, if, if you're not in the tech space, and financial services are arguably tech companies these days, yeah. uh, if you're not in that space, um, is this something that should be high on your agenda? Organizations that do not impress and take AI seriously mm-hmm. will not exist in the future. Wow, that's quite a statement to make. And the reason for that is that for a long time, organizations have created a value proposition around products and services that they offer. And these products and services have been attirated through previous technologies. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, uh, products and services have been offered through the internet, have been attirated through uh, various applications. Uh, Today, uh, the same financial products that you could get at the branch you can get them on your app, on your application, on your, mm-hmm. on your phone. What this technology is doing today, it's driving experience, it's democratizing access on a global perspective. So disruption is not just coming from organizations who are in the same industry, mm-hmm. but it's coming from across the world. Uh, the same customers can act access services from non-traditional industries. And mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of newcomers, uh, unicorns come and offer services at a cheaper rate, meet customer needs faster, make less mistakes, understand their needs. And they are leveraging AI. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's important to take AI seriously, make sure it's at the top of the agenda. Mm-hmm. Make sure you build trust around it so that you can succeed faster. Okay. Yeah. So, Mark, maybe give us some um, practical examples of where this is all going. For consumers um, who interface with a bank like FMB or any company out there that has deployed AI models within their organizations, what is it actually going to mean practically to you as a consumer of products and services from an organization that's deployed AI technologies? Uh, thanks. If you look at the banking sector, we talk about experience. And experience means uh, having context in understanding uh, customers' needs when they call in. Uh, an example at FNB, we have a lot of data about our customers. Mm-hmm. And by being proactive in predicting their needs, uh, we are able to offer them the right products, the right time, and make sure they are available on the digital channels. Uh, if you go on the FNB app today, you'll see that they're normally products that are recommended. Uh, algorithms are never 100% accurate, sure. but they do give us an opportunity to position the right products and services to our customers. And that's an example of how uh, uh, data and algorithms are helping us, Mm. you know, provide experience and make sure that these things are available. Then let's look at, for example, risk management. Um, Process of risk management sometimes can be tedious and Mm. uh, it can be inconveniencing. For example, think about the KYC process remediation Traditionally, organizations used to use a blanket approach. Uh, In today's world, we have algorithms that allow us to focus on where the risk lies. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, in FNB, we've got risk-based models that provide us a sweet spot of where the issue is so that our due diligence teams can deal with those customers. In addition to that, the assessment process uh, is very consistent because AI is helping uh, gather a lot of data, aggregate information, write reports the way a human being would have done. This allows us to have consistency and, and accuracy in the way we make decisions. Consistency and accuracy is an experience because you do not want to inconvenience customers, bothering them, you know, asking them for the source of income mm -hmm. or validating the information when you're on holiday unnecessarily because, mm -hmm. you know, you, you, you use the traditional approach. Then digital engagement is another area. Uh, today's customers are tech savvy. You want to get your responses immediately. And natural language models are enabling organizations today actually uh, power chatbots so mm -hmm. that you can provide immediate responses to their queries, understand their queries accurately, and even recommend to them solutions that uh, will, will align to their needs. And these are some of the examples uh, of where AI and machine learning are help reimagine mm. re uh, how organizations are you know, offering their mm. value proposition. That could be both a good thing and a bad thing, just thinking off the top of my head as you're yes. talking here, because already I'm frustrated with, 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 with companies I work with that already make it difficult to talk to a human being. Um, you know, I'm, these interactive voice response systems, you spend a lot of time trying to get get the information you need and it's, it almost seems like these systems are designed to to prevent you from getting through to a human being to have a conversation and yeah. I, I know why that's done it's to reduce costs and to to um, not to overload the call center with with uh, spurious stuff etc but is there a risk in embracing AI and, and advanced technologies like this that we are going to remove the human element entirely and that when customers have to have an inter interaction with an organization that um, they're going to be talking first and foremost to some sort of AI and it's going to be increasingly difficult to get a problem resolved through a human being because of the cost involved in doing that. Your thoughts on that particular topic? So I think if an organization is investing in AI mm. so that it can take away humans mm. and cut costs, then it's actually misunderstanding the role of AI. Okay. Um, we've positioned AI to allow people to focus on human things and to automate functions that need to be automated. Mm -hmm. And the example you gave today, uh, you just gave around, you know, uh, there's certain tasks AI cannot perform. Uh, if you're to automate, you have to automate utility functions that mm. are very simplistic. If you think about a call center, there's certain needs AI cannot solve for. So that's why we always have a human in the loop. Uh, the way we set up these experiments is such a way that we got uh, confidence ability to understand there is limitations of what AI can do and when we get to that level things are channeled mm -hmm. uh, uh, to, to the to the person so that they can get more context. Some of the uh, needs we have are new. AI never knew them before mm -hmm. and that's where the human uh, comes in the loop. Yeah. So I think that calls, that's why we've, we've actually vouched for literacy programs around AI. Because organizations need to understand the limitations of AI so that they can put that as part of their change management process. Yes, yes. Okay. And I imagine as AI gets more intelligent and, uh, and, and the data that's, that's being fed into these systems um, uh, becomes more useful to the, to, the, to, the, to the AI, that it's going to be able to do 
useful things like, for example, um, making predictions about when people may look to be moving to another company, another bank, for example, or another telecommunications provider, because it can probably pick up patterns in that data that say, well, he's doing, she's doing this. And based on our knowledge of this, there's a high correlation between this activity and, and what happens here. Therefore, we think this customer is going to churn to someone else. We should phone them and make sure we keep them. So companies have been doing that for a long time. And but can AI do much more in that regard? It can do much more than that. Beyond just providing predictions, mm-hmm. AI can provide context. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I were talking about language models. Uh, language models can um, uh, put together a lot of insights, including root causes, that can assist an organization understand context. Mm-hmm. I think the limitation about predictions is that it does not give you insight of what to do with the prediction. Mm. Um, uh, today, if you're not feeling well and you go see a doctor, a diagnosis alone is not enough mm-hmm. because you already know you're not well. Mm-hmm. But they, there has to be a prescriptive analysis to also help um, uh, you get well. Yeah. And that, that's where AI plays a similar role in helping organizations build context mm-hmm. so that you can get decisions much mm-hmm. more efficiently. Now, there'll be um, executives in South African industry watching our discussion today, listening to our discussion in their car or wherever they happen to consume podcasts. And they'll be thinking, oh, heck, I've, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to deal with a terrible economy. I'm trying to deal with ESCOM load shedding. And now you're telling me I have to have an AI strategy as well. For those who haven't gone down this path yet, and I'm sure there are many companies in South Africa that have been watching ChatGPT and stuff with some interest, but haven't really thought, well, that could be implied in my business, um, and they don't have an AI strategy, what advice would you give to them? What should those first conversations they have about AI be looking at? And what are some of the first building blocks that they should be putting in place once they have started to think about that strategy? The first thing, I think they'll need to understand that the challenges we're facing today are challenges that are ripe for AI. Okay. Uh, They are non-traditional challenges. They come with complexity. And these are challenges that if you're not prepared well, they could actually take away your business or uh, prevent you from meeting the needs of your customers. When you talk about a start, there's two things that form part of readiness of having an AI strategy. One, every organization has um, uh, a strategy. Mm. In other words a way which they aim to create value and fulfill their objectives. The second thing is they must understand AI, and that's why we're talking about literacy programs. For you to understand what AI can do for you, its limitations, or what it cannot do, it's important to understand what AI is so that you can align the right opportunities within your organizational Mm -hmm. strategy. As an example, in at FNB, um, uh, we knew very well AI has been a topic for a long time. We are a very complex business. Um, it's very easy for us to get carried away and start talking technology and start jumping into data, and we can do a lot of fancy things. But if these things are not underpinning the organizational strategy, we're likely to spearhead wrong things and mm. end up not benefiting the organization. So that's that's the first one. Making sure we understand how the organization creates value 
and understanding what AI is so that we identify these right opportunities. Then identifying the opportunities because you cannot work on everything. Identifying them and prioritizing them uh, uh, is important and understanding what are the implications for the customers and the business both in short term and long term. Do you need to hire an expert to do this? Or I mean, a lot of CEOs will be coming to this and not knowing much about AI, maybe what they've read in the business press, but not really having a fundamental understanding of what it might be able to do for their businesses. Do, do companies need to hire an AI specialist at this juncture? Or is it something that the, I, the CIO could be doing, for example? Where, do, where does responsibility for AI sit within an organization? So the responsibility of AI in the organization sits with everyone but it's spearheaded with executives that have expertise in leveraging AI, mm-hmm. uh, just like any other area. Uh, CIOs drive strategies around technology, and we'll talk about that now. But you need to look at your skill set in the organization mm-hmm. and understand, especially when you're beginning this strategy, you don't want to fail for long. you rather get external assistance mm-hmm. to create a foundation, and after that, be much more independent. I've always said, um, uh, if you don't have expertise within, it's very difficult to start this journey. G- get people from outside to assist you set up the, the, the AI shop. Mm-hmm. Yes, But that uh, the lack of skills, I mean, skills must be a real challenge in the space. We know that there's a shortage of skills generally in the IT space. And I think that's particularly magnified in some subsets of IT, including security yeah. and AI, machine learning, and data science, general data science type skills. Um, how much of a problem, how much of a challenge is the lack of data science skills, particularly in the context of South Africa, in organizations wanting to develop strategies around this? It, it's a big challenge. Uh, we, we, the demand for these skills is not just locally, but we, 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 we're losing uh, skills to America and China. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at why we're losing skills to those companies, or those countries, it's a main reason, those, they're very mature. In they can fact, pay more. <laughs> they can pay more, but for young people who mm. want to apply their skills, those, those organizations have strategies. Yeah. Yeah. China has built its AI value proposition around execution, and it's evidence from uh, the platforms they've created. America has built around um, uh, uh, driving development of IPs and technologies that are helping everyone across the world spearhead adoption of AI. So young people see those regions as areas where they could apply their skills. And this is more reason why organizations must have strategies because if you have a strategy, it, it outlines to, uh, to, to, to young people where and how they will apply their skills. Um, it's not an easy thing because if you do not have a mature practice, you'll keep on having issues of attracting the right talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do we need an? I mean, you mentioned China. Does South Africa need an AI strategy as a country? Yes, China has an AI strategy. Uh, Canada has developed an AI strategy. What does it need to say? It needs to outline a vision of how AI will help us as a country. Uh, fulfill our objectives. Right. Yes, and it needs to also articulate how we're going to measure success uh, obtained from AI. Right. Uh, It also needs 
to articulate how our operating models as a country will change once you have AI maturing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this has this all forms part of a strategy, and uh, I, ge- I gave an example of, of of our strategy of leveraging AI in the risk space yeah. at FNME. First and foremost, it's underpinning the risk strategy. It also articulates how we're measuring value based on the opportunities we identify that are right for mm-hmm. AI. Mm-hmm. Then it articulates you know, the right technologies, change management, and how things will work and how they've changed over time as we continue maturing uh, uh, the function with the use of AI. Let's, let's just stay with the skills shortage just for a, a couple of moments longer. Uh, what, what is FMB doing in, in, in that regard in terms of developing um, not just literacy around AI, but developing those deep skills. And are you able to get, I mean, obviously they're expensive skills, but are you able to to get the skills you need through um, some of the um, development programs that are run here in South Africa? Obviously the universities and technicons, but also some of the third-party commercial um, data science uh, development courses that are offered here in South Africa. Are they producing the skills that F&B and the wider industry needs? Yes, and, and, and that's a great question. Um, F&B is driving a lot of collaboration with universities uh, through bursary programs, spearheading research uh, with postgraduate students uh, around these topics. And also, uh, we've got a very attractive graduate program, which means that we're playing a role in developing skills, young talent, providing them a platform where they can learn how to work, especially when they've applied skills, when they've acquired skills during their degrees. But then we also have programs that look at um, uh, potential students who do not who do not have uh, university degrees, mm-hmm. where we do job shadowing, allowing them uh, to have opportunities to apply, you know, uh, soft skills in the IT space. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we realize that we can still drive productivity and, and, and give them an opportunity to grow without necessarily following the, 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 the higher institutional uh, sure. learn, la- learning channel. Uh, beyond, beyond that, we, we, we work with various organizations where uh, we, we do give lectures uh, and upskill uh, students. In fact, uh, we're exploring other opportunities with our, pl- with our public sector uh, uh, banking space where we want to share some of our platforms and share the knowledge uh, to the outside world to 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 help uh, uh, empower the society because we also realize we as a business exist because of society so it is important to uplift society so that we can keep creating an ecosystem where we empower them and they utilize our products. So is this FMB's AI literacy program you're talking about here? Yes. Okay. So that's beyond just FMB. Yes. It's for a broad, broader um, is, is this sort of fundamentals of AI uh, that you're offering to the market or is it um, I mean what sort of knowledge are you imparting through this program? So within FNB we're offering competencies that allow people to leverage AI as tools, uh, interrogate them, understand their limitations, and understand opportunities. Mm. Uh, We also appreciate that uh, for us to mature AI, we need frontline staff to be able to to help us identify more opportunities where AI can uh, help Mm -hmm. keep modernizing. And we've 
through, for example, this series, uh, we, we thought it's important to start sharing some of this knowledge uh, through thought leadership pieces to help uh, uh, society understand what AI is understand its limitations, understand where the world is going with AI, the, mm. the, the building blocks like you asked. Uh, those are important to help society prepare because um, AI is not just modernizing, it's changing economies. Yeah. Um, uh, we are a very big organization uh, servicing customers across the world and if they are part of this journey, it means that we are we're also... Uh, aiming to uh, uh, you know, keep on meeting their needs going forward. What about youngsters who are keen to get into the space and explore a career in data science and, and in AI? Uh, the, the skills you're looking for, typically are they um, your traditional IT skills? Uh, are you looking for, um, I mean, what, what, are, what are the type of people who fit in well in this sort of environment? I imagine an actuary could, could uh could fit, fit in well within, within an environment like this, exploiting AI tools to, to do actuarial work. Um, but what typically, what sort of, if I'm a youngster and I'm looking out to set out on a career and maybe I've got some interest in IT, um, you clearly see AI as the future and having a massive impact globally in the next decade uh, and it being an incredibly exciting space. Um, if I want to get into it, what should I be studying? What should I be doing? So there's lots of opportunities and uh, uh, skills that we need to help mature AI. The ones you've just described are around the algorithms and data. Mm -hmm. So actuaries, statisticians, uh, computer scientists, data scientists. But to make AI happen, you need project managers. Mm -hmm. You need business analysts. You need AI interpreters, people who understand what AI can do so that business can be helped on identify the right opportunities for them. Uh, we need culture transformers, mm -hmm. people who can help transition a culture. Uh, we need IT specialists, data engineers. Uh, we need IT brokers or AI brokers to help, to help offer AI as a product to, 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 help it, to, to, to help monetize value from it, from it being used for various purposes. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of opportunities. I've always said, I think the, the, the first thing is try have someone assist you understand the world of AI before you make a decision. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to get caught up with actuarial work or statistics mm -hmm. work, but that's just one piece of the puzzle. Uh, there's lots and lots of opportunities, there's lots of conferences, but also there's a lot of information online that provides information around a channel which someone should follow. Remember, you also need to follow a channel where you can be productive mm -hmm. or where you have the ability to make a difference. Before we wrap, I want to I want to look at the big picture where this is going, and uh, I'm looking forward to this part of the conversation. Um, there, there's been a heck of a lot of hype in the last six months about AI, and I think it started with ChatGPT. It may have been before that, but I think it was ChatGPT that really grabbed the headlines into the second half of 2022, and it hasn't stopped since then. <laughs> Every set of results from the big tech companies like Microsoft and Meta, etc., uh, is all about AI and how it's going to transform their businesses and make them billions of dollars. And, um, and the share prices, as a result, are soaring just on the back of CEO comments that at some point in the future we're going to deploy AI. And of course, some companies are further ahead than others. There's a lot being said at the moment. A lot of it's around this generative um, large language models and generative uh, AI where um, you can produce text or 
images or music um, by providing inputs largely, it seems, from online resources. There's been a lot of noise about, around AI. Are we all getting ahead of ourselves here? Is a lot of the stuff we're hearing at the moment um, hype? We hear about the Gartner hype curve where there's this inflated um, um, part of the graph of inflated expectations and then there's a collapse and there's the trough of disillusionment that Gartner speaks about. And then eventually you see it taking off. Are we going to see a similar sort of um, uh, curve Gartner type curve um, happening in the AI space, and are we what we're seeing now the first part of that slope uh, that leads to that sort of hype and that um, subsequent collapse into the trough of disillusionment, and then eventually the the productivity that flows from it? How is this going to unfold? Is it going to be a typical Gartner tech hype wave in that um, it's it's something that's going to take many years before we see the real business benefits flowing? Or is there real substance to the hype that we're seeing right now around AI and the headlines we're seeing in the press? There's a mixture of uh, trends happening in the market. Uh, the first one, maybe let me look at the optimistic side. Okay. It, I think we've come to appreciate the advancements of AI, especially language models. Uh, language models are not new. They've been there since the 1950s. Um, but... I think from two th around 2016, 2017, uh, uh, the, 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 the transformer models have meant that together with the computing power, mm. uh, we can train machines to generate language and to generate language similar to the way human beings generate. Yeah. Which, and it looks like magic. Exactly. It looks yeah. like magic. Yeah. So that is the first thing. It means that businesses can relook at their models and assess where these type of technologies can help automate functions, uh, drive effectiveness, uh, keep up with their customer needs. On the other side, we're also seeing um, what we call the Dunning-Kruger effect play. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> where uh, before technology matures and mm. its impact matures, uh, its value is a bit overstated, which is very, very normal. But as time goes on, society understands the possibilities of this technology uh, um, within the organizations or within their functions, uh, its limitations, what it can do, what it cannot do. Remember, when it comes to a technology like ChatGPT, you don't need to just look at its positive side. Mm. Um, you need to look at the risks it comes mm -hmm. with, the privacy. Mainly the reputational risks. Reputational risks. Yeah, yeah. Once you have that holistic view, then you'll be able to assess the opportunities you mm -hmm. have. So it's a combination of trends we're seeing. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I, I read in um, uh, one of the articles say now 56% of CEOs are now asking, we want to see value. This is even more important why you now need to have a strategy. Now that you have ChatGPT, you mm -hmm. know its limitations. Uh, what does it mean for our value proposition? Because it's one thing to think about ChatGPT as a toy when it creates this amazing text, mm -hmm. but yet it cannot be integrated into your business or operating model. Which is where the strategy comes which in. Which is where the strategy comes in. You now need to think about a tool because the tool now drives accountability the type of value you'll get, the type of 
models you need to have? How do you need to upskill your workforce so that they they can integrate ChatGPT in the way they work? Mm-hmm. You need to think about ethical and responsible implications because um, these technologies come with heavy risks. Mm-hmm. And when you look at when you're critical about it, the high value applications come with higher risks because they normally entail confidential information, they normally entail sensitive information, they normally entail changing business models and coming up with new business models that if you fail, you're failing big. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we, we, we have to be very careful and that's why you need the right people to advise organizations on how yeah. to go about adopting this technology. It's interesting what you say there and I was actually going to ask you about how FMB, are you working in the risk space approach uh, um, dealing with the risks associated with with AI, but um, it sounds to me, and often what we see in the tech space is small teams within big organisations get created to experiment with technologies and see where it takes them, etc. It almost seems to me that you're suggesting that may be a risky approach if it's not combined with a, with a with a well thought out strategy initially. Um, that you perhaps don't want to have five or six of your employees working on AI tools and plugging into customer data and all of this stuff because it could end up blowing up in your face. Exactly, exactly. So th- th- there's a risk-reward matrix that we follow. Mm-hmm. Different applications come with different types of risks. Uh, we have low risk but high volume yeah. um, uh, 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 type of work yeah. that we see as opportunities where AI will help create efficiency and drive productivity. Having said that, mm. we, are very, we have governance and controls in place on how this should be done. Yeah. We've got restrictions on where we feel there's um, opportunities for risk. Remember, at the end of it all, technology is built around trust. Mm-hmm. And if something was to happen, I think, I don't know if you saw the other day, uh, Samsung employees who are using chat GPT. Yes, I saw that. You saw that. So it leaked. It leaked and they were uploading mm-hmm. confidential information. So yeah. we have to be very careful. Especially as a bank. As a bank. Mm-hmm. But also we must appreciate that while chat GPT, Googlebot and other AI tools are making waves, they are still at an experimental stage. Yes. They've not matured and to be embedded prod- pro- properly within mm. products. And... An organization shouldn't rush so much because if something is at an experimental stage, it means that the risks it com- comes with are not fully explored. Sure. Yeah. So trade carefully, especially Just if you're in a heavily carefully. regulated industry. Exactly. I mean, banking is very heavily, heavily regulated. Are the regulators in South Africa's financial services space, I'm thinking of the Reserve Bank and others, Looking at AI at all at this stage as a, as a potential... Yes, there are discussions risk. ongoing. Uh, when you look at outside South Africa, uh, other regulators have already released governance frameworks. Okay. Uh, not just around fairness and responsible use of AI, but also emerging risks that come with AI. If AI is applied in the wrong way, it could create a very, very unequal world. I think one, of one, one, one uh, uh, friend of mine was comparing it and saying, would you prefer damage from AI or would you prefer a nuclear bomb? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And clearly, we'll prefer a nuclear bomb. You know why? <laughs> You'll at least understand what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. The damages we, we, we're seeing in AI, some of them will manifest in society for generations to come. 
that's why we need to be much more careful mm. with our approaches. Yeah, and one wonder, one wonders what um, nation state governments are doing in terms of weapons and and defenses around AI as well. But uh, that's probably a, a, a you know a few years out at least before exactly. we're having those conversations. Yes. But I, I guess those conversations should be happening now rather than later before this technology is developed. Exactly. Um, Beyond generative AI, which is all the hype at the moment, where do you think this is going? Um, I mean, clearly AI has caught the consumer imagination now and uh, the genie is not being put back in that particular bottle. And we're going to be talking about this for the rest of this decade at least. Um, but we're going to go beyond generative AI at some point, these large language models. What are some of the other interesting AI uh, technologies that are sort of being developed out there that that perhaps the general public isn't aware of yet that you think may have a transformative impact on yeah. business and society. So computer vision uh, is another uh, massive area. Computer uh, vision? Yes. The ability of computers to see things. To see things, mm -hmm. yes. Identify objects. Yeah. Um, and, and we're seeing this mature uh, autonomous eyes. But uh, we're now seeing applications, you know, uh, uh, crop up in the process of digitizing things and helping customers and um, uh, uh, and service providers access programs mm. uh, digitally um, one, one one of uh, uh, of the examples we have is the ability to navigate in your applications in a in a much more defined customized way uh, which today uh, is easily done uh, using AI then we have the traditional machine learning and I think that's where bigger value is. Okay. Because organizations want to understand the future much better so that you can plan. Organizations want to understand whether their strategies uh, will succeed or not succeed. Uh, organizations want to simulate um, how uh, they can change their strategies or how the decisions they make today mean for the future. Mm. And this way they have to leverage traditional machine learning models to understand and make forecasts, make mm -hmm. predictions based on various factors. Uh, deep learning is an, an area in AI that is actually maturing and we're seeing it you know, influence the health sector, we're seeing it influence the agricultural sector. But in, when you look at it clearly, all these areas in AI are very interconnected. Mm -hmm. because some of the deep learning techniques are also enabling language models and supporting machine learning models. They kind of work together, mm -hmm. but they are, they, they, they are pillars in AI that are actually changing every industry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fascinating, fascinating. Mm -hmm. And I have to ask you about the impact on jobs because um, – you know, the, the headline story you'll see is AI is coming, jobs are going. Um, and IBM just announced in, the, in recent days that uh, they could, I, I want to read this because they, they phrased it very carefully. They said they could replace 7,800 jobs at IBM with AI. Um, is, is there a jobs holocaust coming? Uh, um, you know, is, is IBM in saying this perhaps just um, doing a bit of marketing? <laughs> What's the... Uh, I mean, what is the long-term outlook for jobs as AI becomes more integrated into business and society? I think, I think the issue of jobs has been topical mm -hmm. and uh, partially uh, because of a lack of understanding of how organizations are adopting technology. But also there's a bit of market correlation between 
uh, how some of the organizations are laying off staff. I think I saw something like that with Google, Amazon. Um, you know, when this happens at the time where the same organizations are spearheading AI, it might send a wrong message. Mm -hmm. But from what I think, uh, especially with the adoption of AI, organizations need more people than ever. But it needs to prepare more people for a future where there will be human-machine partnerships. Right. Uh, they need to upskill them and upskill them for long term, not upskill them for a shorter future that another machine will come and... <laughs> <laughs> you you know companies are going to think that way. <laughs> yeah, so, so think long term. Sure. But also organizations have to think disruptive. Uh, think about opportunities they never did before. Think about partnerships, in, uh, you know, intercompany partnerships so that technology can help them uh, explore opportunities they never um, uh, uh, did before with the help of, uh, of people. Mm -hmm. yes. mm -hmm. Exciting times ahead. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to put on your prognostication hat and look forward to 2030 because uh, it's impossible. This world is moving far too quickly at the moment. But lots of exciting things happening in AI and I, I really look forward to seeing how uh, FMB continues to uh, integrate a lot of these technologies and, and uh, strategies into what it's doing and is certainly uh, one of the pioneers in AI in the South African market. So it's really been fascinating uh, chatting to you. Dr. Mark Nasila is Chief Data and Analytics Officer at FMB Risk. Thank you for joining us on Tech Central. Thank you so much and thank you for having me.